You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Another year you made a promise, another chance to turn it all around. And do not save this for tomorrow, embrace the past and you can live for now. And I will give the world to you. are upon us. We are waiting with eager anticipation for what is to come. Man, that means new possibilities, new goals, new resolutions. Okay, who am I kidding? New resolutions means we're going to break those in the first few weeks. But a new start is right around the corner. And we do hope that you had a wonderful Christmas celebrating the greatest gift of all, the hope of the world, Jesus. 
My name is Shauna and I am from our Clinton Township campus and I just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you joined us today. It's hard to believe that in a couple days it is going to be a brand new year. And with that, we are eagerly waiting what God is going to do in and throughout our lives. Now, have you ever wondered though what it is that sets someone apart that lives a life that is really worth living? Imagine if you were given like a quiver full of arrows. What would you do with that if that was your life? Would you just hold it close and tight? Or would you fire off every single arrow, leaving nothing left undone? We invite you to journey with us in a new series called The Last Arrow, starting next Sunday, January 3rd. You can join us in person or online. If you're coming in person, don't forget to reserve your tickets. Now, for you young adults, we have an incredible opportunity for you to start off the new year with purpose. On January 8th and 9th, we are having our 1829 conference. This two-day experience is going to have powerful teaching and worship. It's going to equip you and allow you to connect with others in a socially distanced and safe format. If you are looking for a way to start off the year with intentionality, I'm telling you, this is it. So why don't you go to our website at kensingtonchurch.org slash youngadultconference to find out all the information and to register. Now, at this time, I invite you to go get a pen and a paper because you're going to need it for the message today. Like, go get it. Like, right now, go grab it because we want you to be able to participate in the activity. Did you get it? I sure hope so. Because as we continue on in the service, much like a storybook, we begin with once upon a time as we look ahead to what 2021 has for us. What would be the next line in your story? Once upon a time, God took handfuls of earth and formed all things. He painted the world with every color that I could imagine and dusted the dark skies with sparkles. He sang as each one of them came to be. When he made humankind, he gave each one a pen Let's together write your story, he said. They were all storytellers, writing their way through life, writing what was and what would be. Why did you give them this responsibility, asked a bewildered child. God replied, so they can discover joy, adventure, purpose, and most importantly, love. They found all of these things, the child asked. And so can you, said God. He opened up his hand and revealed a brilliant white sheet of paper and a pen made from olive wood. For me, the child asked. God answered the child with a smile. For you, now let's write your story together. Tries are out 
just a few days from the new year 2021 can you believe it I love the words of that song unwritten because they speak of possibilities of a story a better story that we're going to write in 2021 staring at the blank page before me living my my life with my arms wide open today is where your book begins the rest is still unwritten and so I want to ask you what kind of story do you want to write in 2021 you know Shauna said earlier that good stories begin with once upon a time, but what's the next sentence? What kind of story do we want to write in 2021? Well, I always find it helpful to actually make goals for the new year. I'm one of those crazy people that does New Year's resolutions. I've been doing them for decades, and I always take about a week or two before the New Year's to actually think seriously, to take inventory of my life, to consider things that went well that year and things that didn't and to plan for the future, and I make resolutions. And I've had a lot of success, and I've had a lot of failure with my resolutions. So one of the things I also do is I scan, like, the internet to see what are people focusing on, and usually it's the same thing. It's, it's spending time, it's, it's more time with your family, it's less TV, it's exercise and diet. I came across probably the funniest one I've ever read in my life. This person, his resolution, and I think he's going to be successful because it's a small thing, he says, I resolve in 2021 to stop buttering my donuts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously? Does anybody actually, do any of you out there actually butter your donuts? I mean, that, I'm sorry, but that's really just disgusting. So I think maybe I'm actually going to try a buttered donut 
at some point in the future because there's got to be something to it or this guy wouldn't have been addicted to it. But I like New Year's resolutions because it helps me be focused on the fact that there is an unwritten story right now. And I think this year, with God's help, I can write a better story. <clears throat> you know, this is the time when we think about time. We think about the past that's behind us and what a year this has been, what an awful year, a horrible year. And then the possibility of a new year with new things that could come this year. That's normal for us to do that. But the thing I know for sure is that time doesn't have an opinion on this. It just marches on. In just a few days, that ball is going to drop in Times Square. There's not going to be, you know, thousands of people there. But the new year is going to come, whether we like it or not. What kind of year is it going to be? You know, I've, I've discovered, I mean, it's kind of a curiosity that we talk about time and money in the same way. You know, we, we try to save money and we try to save time. And we waste money and we waste time. And most importantly, we spend money and we spend time. And I think time is the most important of all because you know what? I can, uh, I can spend everything in my wallet until it's empty and there's probably a way for me to get more money. My ATM, if my bank is empty, maybe I borrow money from a friend, maybe I get another job. You can always get more money. But time doesn't work that way. When we spend time, it's gone. You never get it back. You know, by the way, this hourglass, these things have always scared me. I think it goes back to when I was a child, and every year, once a year, we watch The Wizard of Oz. And one of the worst moments was when the Wicked Witch had Dorothy and locked her in the room, and she turned over the hourglass, and you begin to see the sand fall. And time is passing, time is passing, and her friends are out there trying to rescue her. And we don't know if they're going to get to her in time, and she's going to be killed if she's not rescued. These things have always scared me. And, you know, my, I have in-laws that absolutely love clocks, and they have four clocks in their house right now that all gong at different times. And when I'm there, it makes me really nervous and anxious because time is passing, time is passing, time is passing. Every 15 minutes, something in the house is chiming, reminding me that time is passing. And yet, there's something good that comes out of that. Because time is so precious that we shouldn't be wasting it. We need to embrace this amazing gift of life that God has given to us. And so there's a healthy urgency that can come as we think about time, as we think about the new year. We're going to spend this new year. In fact, all of us, the one promise I can make you today is that every one of us will have, if we live the whole year, will have exactly the same num number of minutes, 525,600 minutes that God is giving to us in the new year. What are we going to do with those minutes? How are we going to spend the time that God has given to us? And so that's what we're going to consider today. We're going to look to scripture for some wisdom that can inform us as we approach the new year, as we step into, on January 1st, 2021, the new year before us, the wisdom that God can give us in terms of what we can do to make the most of our time. Now, before we do that, um, I want to take a few minutes to talk about our offering. And I want to just celebrate 2020. You have been absolutely amazing. Your generosity. You know, this would be a year because of COVID-19 that we might have pulled back, but because of your generosity and your giving, we've been able to do even more in our community. And it's just been absolutely beautiful and amazing. So thank you for your giving throughout the year. Thank you for this last opportunity to give. And you'll see on the screen the ways that you can give through the Kensington app, or you can go online to kensingtonchurch.org, or you can write a check and mail it to us. But again, thank you so much for partnering with us in the work that God has called us to. So there's a scripture. I want to begin with a, a pretty interesting scripture in Psalm chapter 90, where Moses talks about time. And he does it in a very unusual way. 
He says the length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. You know, the first observation I'd make about those words of Moses is that he must have been having a really bad day, or maybe a bad year like we've had. Because when he looked at the span of his life, he said they were trouble and sorrow. But beyond that, whatever Moses was experiencing, he makes two observations that I think are very important uh, for us today. The first is that they're limited. In fact, in his mind, he said 70 to 80 years, that's about all we're given. And when they're done, they're done. And then the second observation he makes is that they pass quickly. You know that time is just moving on. There's nothing you can do about it. These two observations by Moses brought him to his knees because a few verses later, we see that he reached out to God. He prayed, he cried out to God and he asked him for something. In light of the brevity of life and the quick, the quick, how quickly it passes by, he prayed and he asked God to teach us to count our days. And the reason to do that is that we would live with wisdom, that he would give us a heart of wisdom. That was his cry to God. And so I thought it would be helpful as we look into the unknown of 2021, if we would take some time to actually do what Moses said, that we would count our days. And so uh, beginning of the service, Shauna encouraged you to get a piece of paper and a pencil. So I want to encourage you right now, if you have it in front of you, if not, run and grab it because you're going to want to do this because this is going to be really helpful, I think, to you as you look into the new year. So what you're going to do is you're going to take this piece of paper and you're going to draw a line down the middle and that's your timeline. This represents the totality of your life from beginning to end. And in the far left, you're going to put the year that you were born. For me, it was in 1955. By the way, I first did this uh, to a, a singles conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan in 1995. And I have the original sheet that I did back then. So 1955 is on the left of mine. Yours is going to be whatever year you were born. And then right in the middle of this timeline, try to find the halfway point, put an X, and this is the halfway point of your life. In a minute, you're going to put another X that represents where we are today, and it's either going to be in the first half or the second half. Now, we're going to take Moses' words that uh, our lives would be 70 or 80 years, and I think for many it's going to be more than that. And of course, we're not guaranteed any years. Today could be our last day. But What we're going to do is we're going to split the difference and say 75 years is how long we're going to live. And I actually want to apologize to anyone listening who's older than 75 uh, because obviously God can give us 100 years. But uh, you're going to take that number 75 and you're going to add it to the year that you were born. And then that's the year, the number you're going to put on the far right of your timeline. That's the year of your death. I know we don't like to think about that, but just bear with me for a few moments. So now that you look at your timeline, you have... Your year of birth, your year of death, that represents 75 years. Now, where are you on the timeline? Well, it's 2020, so you're going to have to try to make a guesstimate on that timeline of where today would be, where 2020 is, or 2021, and that's today. Now, if you've done all of that, if you're tracking with me, I have one more assignment for you, and you're seeing mine as an example, the one I did uh, many, many years ago. You have to do a little math here, so if you have to grab a calculator, feel free to do that. But you're going to now subtract whatever that um, year of your death is from today's year. And that's going to be how many years you have remaining. I'm looking at mine right now that I did in 1995, and the number is 35. 
And that seemed like a pretty big number. I was just past, as you can see, just past the halfway point. But there's a lot of years left, a lot of opportunities left, a lot of life to be lived ahead of me. Well, I did, just yesterday, I did my new one, representing where we are today. And the, uh, today has moved way, 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 way down to the right. And it's actually only about two inches left in that timeline, which represents about 10 years. Now, that could be really depressing. But, and maybe I'm just strange in this respect, but I find myself really motivated by that. I'm really encouraged by that. In fact, it, I, the words that come to mind are the words from the musical Ham, Hamilton, which I've seen so many times. The song where he says, I'm not going to throw away my shot. That's how I feel standing here right now. I don't know if I have 10 years. I don't know if I have five. I don't know if I have 20. But whatever I have left, I'm not going to throw that away. God, I do not want to throw that away. I want to embrace it. I want to feel the urgency of that. I want to see that, that, that time is moving, but I'm moving with it. I'm not standing still. I'm engaged with life. I'm, I'm not going to leave any page unturned. I'm not going to leave anything undone if I can help it. That's what this exercise does for me. And maybe that's what Moses had in mind when he said, God, teach me to count my days so I can live with wisdom. He wanted to live with wisdom. I want to live with wisdom. I think you want to live with wisdom. And so we're going to turn to some scripture now that will help us do that. Um, Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 5 said something very similar. He said, um, to the, the church at Ephesus, the exhortation was to be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, making the most of your days because the days are evil, which means there's a lot at stake here in how we live. You know, we're not on a pleasure cruise. Life is real. The stakes are high. Paul says, be careful how you live. Make the most of it. Don't live unwisely. Don't squander your life. And so I'm going to invite you now to two challenges. These are challenges. These are part of my New Year's resolutions for 2021. And you can join me if you want. Two challenges that I think can make a lot of difference if I can live in this manner relative to time. So here's the first one. The first one is I'm determined this year that I'm going to be present. And I have to say that because honestly, the way I'm wired, the way my brain is wired is that I'm not always present. I think I'm often not present. You, you notice in the literature this time of year, in the magazine and the books that are published, the emphasis on mindfulness and now. I think for the last decade, we've been talking about this. And there's all kinds of opportunities and exercises and apps you can get on your phone that will help us be more mindful. It must be really hard to do this. And in fact, research has shown without a shadow of a doubt that our minds wander all the time. In fact, 50% of your day today your mind wandered somewhere. By the way, isn't that an interesting phrase? <laughs> that our minds wander? Like they, they go somewhere. I'm here, but my mind went somewhere else. And typically, there's two destinations your mind goes to. One is it goes to the past, which is never, never very helpful because that's usually about recrimination and regret and things you can't change. Or our minds go to the future, which is my personal favorite destination. I'm a future guy. My mind goes to the future all the time. And it's about worry and anxiety and uncertainty. In fact, I remember about year two of planting Communitas Church in New York City, a Kensington church plant that my wife and I went to lead. I was in a bad place with anxiety and worry about the future. And I remember sitting on my bed and, and I was just beside myself and I was trying to pray, but I was really just worrying. And all of a sudden I had, it was almost like a vision. It was, it was kind of comical. I saw Jesus standing in my room, leaning against the wall, arms folded with kind of this knowing smile on his face as he looked at me. And then when I looked at this picture, I saw myself not sitting on the bed, but I had a suitcase and I was packing it. 
And Jesus said, oh, you're going on a trip again? Where are you going? Oh, let me guess. You're going to the future, that unknown future that you're worrying about. And then he said, you go ahead, pack your bag, zip it up tightly. You go ahead and leave. Take your little trip into the future. And when you're done there, come back to the now because this is where I am. And it's funny because I didn't hear that as like a judgment or condemnation. I actually saw a smile on his face. He was like chuckling. And just knowing me, knowing my tendency to not be present, but to go into the future and not really live fully in the now. Maybe that's your tendency as well. Maybe it's the past, maybe it's the future. But the challenge for 2021 is to learn to be fully present. You know, scripture talks about both of these other destinations because the the three aspects of time that we all have to deal with every day, the interplay of these three are past, present, and future. But the present is the only thing we actually have. It's the only place that life is lived. It's the place where we, we love and we learn and we grow and we make mistakes and we, we, we experience forgiveness and we experience grace. It's where we create things. This is where our influence is. It's in, the, it's in the now. It's nowhere else. And that's why scripture exhorts us to stop taking these trips into the past or into the future. You know, Paul in particular, in his own journey, he had a lot of regrets. And in Philippians, he wrote these words. He says, forgetting what is behind... This is the one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He said, I got to forget what's behind me. There's nothing nothing ever good that comes out of that. And then Jesus, in his well-known words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, says that we should not worry. Not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Past, present, or now. And the only thing we really have is the now. This is where life is lived. What if in 2021, we got better at this? What if we could silence all the voices, everything that wanted to call us back there, or pull us into the future we don't know about, and we could actually be present in the now where life is actually lived, where we can actually do something what kind of year would that be? Well, I want to tell you about a, something I started doing quite a few years ago. Um, I, one of my New Year's resolutions for many years was I'm in a journal every day of the year, and then I would get a little bit into it, and I, by February, I'm done. And then a friend of mine said, Craig, what if, you, um, what if you started writing out your prayers? Like when you sit down to journal, talk to God, make it a conversation. And so I started doing that, and, and I've got like 15 boxes of these journals now. But there's, a, there's power in this, and let me tell you why. This, like any journal that's part, partly filled, has pages that are written. You know, these represent the story of what's happened. I, I'm looking back at November 6th, uh, October 27th, and then all the way up to December 27th today. And I'm writing, it's a conversation with God. I'm talking about what's going on in my life. I'm talking about things that I need help with. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking about people that I'm praying for. I might be talking about something I, I read in scripture. And, and it's really grounding me in the now. This is the day I have. I don't have yesterday. I don't have tomorrow yet. I have this day. But it's even more powerful than that because I realize as I look back, this is my past. And I wrote that past one day at a time. So if I want a good past that I don't regret, I need to write a good story today because this is my future's past. Does that make sense to you? This is... Everything I do today, tomorrow will be the past. So I'm changing my past by how I choose to live today. I'm changing my future's past. And then, this is the beauty of this. This is, this is the potential. 
This is all the unwritten story that's to be written this year. And I know that the story will be a better story if I can learn to be grounded in the now. If I can embrace the present and not take trips into the past, into the future. But there's one more thing. The first thing is to be present. But I want to say, I don't think we can do this on our own. And in, actually, the life that we long for and the life that God longs for us, we can't do on our own. So the second exhortation, this is the second challenge for 2021, is to be with Jesus, to actually be with Jesus. You know, one of the great promises that Jesus made to us is that he would be with us always, even to the end of the age, to the end of our years. He would always be with us. But there's no weight, there's no power in that unless I'm with him. And it's possible to be in a space with a person but not really be with them. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was, in, it was back in New York City and the restaurants were still open to some point. And so I observed a couple come in together. They were clearly together. They sat down at a table together. And then they proceeded to pull out, he pulled out a newspaper, she had her phone out, and the, the, the waiter came and gave him a menu, they ordered their food, and they sat there, and they never said a word. They got their food, they ate it, they read their paper, they ate their food, they looked at their phone, never said a word, they paid the bill. When they left the restaurant, they had never spoken one word to each other. So they were in the same space, but they weren't together. I think I'm like that with Jesus. In fact, one of the Jesus, um, I think, most important things that he ever said to his followers in John 15 um, was to um, simply remain with him, to be with him. This, this challenge for this year is really the challenge that Jesus has already given to us. In John 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If anyone or if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Picture that, the closeness, the proximity of a branch and a vine. And the branch is only thriving and bearing fruit because it's receiving moment by moment from, from the vine. That's the imagery that he gave to us. That's the challenge to us. That's the exhortation. Come and be with me. Remain with me. Be close to me. Because I will pour into you and you'll be fruitful. And I'm ashamed to say that I think most of my life has been an experiment to prove Jesus wrong. I can do so many things without you, Jesus. Look at me every day. I can go days and hardly think about you. And yet, what am I missing out? And why does Jesus long to be with me so much? Why does he want me to be with him? Because he wants to pour into me. I remember hearing this story years ago, and this, this really had an impact on me. I think it's when things started to change where, where it didn't feel like being with him was checking a box. Because growing up in, in my faith from a little boy, we were told to have devotions or have a quiet time, and it got legalistic and like, you got to do this. This is what Christians are supposed to do. But I heard this story and it was so compelling. I want to share it with you. It was a story of a father who had an, a grown son and they had grown apart. And it was a source of great pain and loss for the father. He longed to be with his son. He longed to pour into his son. And especially because he realized his son was making a lot of mistakes. He was making a lot of wrong choices and, and he was struggling. But the father never heard from the son. The phone never rang. Never got an email. So imagine one day when the phone rings and the father answers and he recognizes immediately his son's voice. And his son says, Dad, um, I'm in trouble. I need, I need your help. I know we haven't talked in a while, but would you be, would you be willing to meet with me? And the father you know, pulls the phone. He's like so happy. He just wants to shout for joy, but he says, well, that would be great. Uh, when you want to meet. And so they agree on Thursday morning at 7 o'clock at their favorite diner 
they're going to meet. So the dad gets there about quarter to seven because he's so excited. He hardly slept the night before. He can't wait to be with his son. He wants to pour into his son. He wants to help him. So he orders his cup of coffee, tells the waitress, I don't want to order yet. Wait, I'll wait till my son. My son's coming. I'm going to spend time with my son. And so the clock is ticking and he's looking at his watch and it's a little after seven. He's not there yet, but he's coming. 7.15, 7.20. Finally at 7.30, he realizes he's not coming. Pays for his coffee. Sadly, he goes out to the parking lot and gets in his car. Do you think that father is mad at his son because he didn't check the box, he didn't show up? No, I, I think, you know, as a father, I think put myself in that situation, what I would feel was sadness over the loss of an opportunity for me to pour into my son because that's what he wants. He wanted to give wisdom. He wanted to give uh, advice. He wanted to give counsel. He wanted to give what his son needed. He wanted to hear his story. He wanted to be close. He wanted that heart connection. And that's what he lost. Do you understand when Jesus said, remain in me, he's the father saying to us, his children, come and be with me. I have something to give you. And so since I heard that story, it's taken on a little bit different meaning to me. And I've, I began to practice um, carving out time very intentionally, usually at the beginning of the day, to be with him, just to be with him. No agenda, no religious box I'm checking, but just to be with him because I realize he longs to be with me. And in the house I lived in um, before I moved to New York City, um, I had a study that I would go to in the morning. And I, by the way, some of you are saying, Craig, you don't understand, I'm not a morning person. I am not a morning person. Um, but I realized that if I didn't start my day this way, it just got too crowded. And so I began to set my alarm earlier to get up. And for a while, it went well. I, um, I'd get up, I'd make my cup of coffee, and I would make my way into my study, and, which was close to my bedroom. And I would sit, and I would sit there just to be with Jesus, just to be with him. And then um, I remember about a few weeks into this, I really got into the the practice of doing this, and it was amazing. But the day came when the alarm went off and I was just too tired. And so I hit the snooze, and then I hit, hit the snooze again. And so I'm 20 minutes and, you know, past my alarm now. And I think God gave me a vision. I, I don't get, like, visions in life, but I was laying in bed in the darkness, and I had this picture in my mind that Jesus had gotten there ahead of me. He had turned the lamp on. There were two cups of coffee here. I don't think Jesus drinks coffee, but I was sitting there. He was sitting there and he was leaned forward in his seat, in his chair, and he was bent over like this because through the window of of the glass door of my study, he could see the bedroom door, which was closed. And I'm laying there in the darkness and I'm picturing the lamp on, I'm picturing Jesus here. I'm picturing this longing and this anticipation in Jesus as he looked and longed for that door to open to see me making my way to him. And you know what? I, I, I had to get out of bed. It was so real to me. It was so inviting to me that he got there to be with me. He wanted to be with me. He wanted me to come and sit with him as I began my day. Like the father waiting for his son in that diner. That was me. And I wanted to show up and I want to show up. And when I show up, here's what happens. It's not a religious thing. I, I sit 
using my imagination and mindful that his promise is true, that he's here with me. And so when I open up my Bible to read, I picture him looking over my shoulder and saying, yep, yep, oh, and I have a question about that. It's like a conversation about the Bible. I'm not reading my Bible alone. I'm reading it with him. And then I begin to unburden myself. I think about the day ahead. I've got this meeting. I've got this conflict. I've got this thing coming. And he says, oh, I'm glad you shared that with me. I I would really love to help you with that. And I've learned to be quiet, to listen, because it's a conversation. This is the most beautiful thing in the world right here. That the God of the universe and the Savior of our souls longs to be with us, invites us to come and be with him. If this is not part of your practice, maybe you're just exploring your faith at this point, can you, can you dream about what it would be like to be with God in this way in 2021, day after day after day after day? 365 days of this connection. How might that change my life? How, how might that change your life? And you know, I, I, I got in the habit of actually doing this when we would spend some time together and and there's no magical number, how long it has to be. The point is to show up and to be there. Um, I think if you do it, you're going to find you want more time. You know, you're not looking at your watch thinking this has been too long. Like any relationship that you're drawn to and love, you want to be with that person. But I got in the habit when, when it was time to get up and I got to get a shower or I got to get on with my day, uh, I would, I would take a few steps and I would pause because I believe what he wanted to say to me was, Craig, that was great. It was so great being with you. Um, How about if I go with you? Because Jesus is not just there. He's with me when I'm driving my car. He's with me when I'm working. He's with me when I'm with my family in the backyard playing. He's with me when we're streaming something on Netflix. I mean, he's with us all the time. And to practice that, that's what he meant. Be with me. Remain with me. But that maybe anchor in in a specific time of intentionality where he can pour into us like the father wanted to pour into his son who he loved. This is my vision for me for 2021. I'm asking God, help me count my days. Help me embrace this wonderful gift of life. Help me value every moment. Help me to be present and help me to be with you. That's my prayer for you. And so God, we give this to you. Draw us to yourself in these final moments. Help us hear you calling us to yourself. Help us hear the invitation. Help us see the joy that you have in being with us. That we would long to respond in joy and love ourselves. We pray this in your name. Amen. Lying in my bed, I hear the clock I think. you
Drawing me, you keep drawing. 
It is our hope and prayer and deepest desire that you will hear his voice calling, calling you by name, inviting you to the beautiful dance that could be in 2021, you know, discovering the rhythm and beauty of a life lived just being with him. In fact, let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for the invitation, the calling I pray that we would hear it, we would hear your voice, and our hearts would be moved to respond, to move closer to you, to draw near to you. And as we enter the new year, that we would enter it with confidence and hope and joy that every moment, every minute of the new year, you are with us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, before I let you go, there's three more words I want to share with you. I want to be the first to say this to you. Happy New Year. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.